Hello everyone, I'm Ryan from Fireside Dicks with my friend and co-host Dylan Backer and we're continuing our report card series and this time we're moving towards forwards and wings. Now, you know, obviously the Knicks, you know, not not in the same vein as the guard position, but they did get a lot of, I think, good production from the wing position. Um, you know, there were a lot of standout players. There were some, uh, you know, really just key pieces to this team came from this position. Um, you know, you're going to get a sense of the theme of this report card series where it's that the Knicks played really well at a lot of different position groups they were a team that you know were able to get a lot of production from a lot of different pieces um in a lot of different ways so we're going to go with grading all of the, the wings now we mentioned this in the point guard episode or excuse me the guard episode um you know if you guys aren't aware we're including grimes and Hart with the wings we didn't include them with the guards just based on their style of basketball um you know so they'll be in this video uh and you know kind of getting it started here with the guy who i think you know is i mean he was the all he was the only all nba selection on the team julius randall He's probably the first guy to get this started with. So, you know, Dylan, I'm interested to hear, you know, what's your grade for Julius Randle in the season, you know, what, what, and what is your reasoning behind that grade? You know, obviously Randle had a fantastic season, you know, an all-NBA season, and, you know, it was really good, really good bounce back after a rough 2021-22 season. You know, some might be shocked with my grade, but I'm going to give him an A, and the reason I'm not giving him an A-plus is because of the postseason, and some may find that not fair. I get it. But, you know, this is not a grading of simply just the regular season. This is combined from the regular season and the postseason. So, you know, I think it's fair to give him an A. Obviously, 25 points leading the Knicks in scoring, 10 rebounds a game, 4.1 assists, 46 from the field. I think he was like 35% from three or something. Very good year overall, right? But his playoffs were rough. His playoffs were rough, and I think everyone here knows that. You know, I, I don't, I'm not with the, the Randall disrespect he was getting after the postseason. I'm not with all that. But it is, you know, clear that he did struggle in the postseason. It was rough. It was not good to watch whatsoever. I know he was playing hurt, but still, it was just not what we saw in the regular season from Randall, which is the only reason it stopped me from giving him an A+. And at this rate, I think the only one who deserves an A-plus so at, at this point is Jalen Brunson, who we mentioned in our last episode. I think he'll be the only one that'll get an A-plus out of me. But, you know, Julius Randle was great. He was great. I'm not going to, you know, sit here and act like he wasn't a big reason why we're the fifth seed. He was a huge reason why we're the fifth seed. I think an A is a good grade for him, considering that the postseason was rough. You know, if I was really mean, I would have given him something lower, but I'm not going to be like that. You know, I think an A is fair. He was great. He really started to get that three-point to fall a bit. You know, he scored a lot higher at a better rate. He had an actual good budding partner with Brunson this time. He didn't have to just carry the team by himself. You know, obviously in the playoffs it was a different story, but throughout the regular season, he played a huge role into us getting that fifth seed and us getting 47 wins on the season and pretty much defying all those expectations. Making All-NBA third team is a huge accomplishment too. Second All-NBA team in three years. I mean... I'm really happy with what Randall did, you know, and I'm a huge Randall fan, so I was really pleased to see him bounce back after a rough last uh, season last year. Yes, it stunk that he wasn't good in the playoffs, and I really wish he would have performed better, but his regular season was that good. He does deserve a lot of credit for that, which is why I still gave him an A. You know, if he was great in the postseason, I would have given him an A+, but unfortunately he wasn't. That's the only thing that stopped me, but I mean, I think an A is fair. I think I don't think that's really disrespectful in a way because I think he was really really good and he deserves to be credited for that. So that's kind of just my take on it. What what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I fully agree. You know, I said this uh, when I gave when we talked about you know Emmanuel Quickly's grade and I gave him an A plus initially, um, and, and you explain, you know, kind of why you gave him an A instead of an A+. plus. I, I, I realized, you know, if I'm going to give an A-plus to Jalen Brunson, I think he was the best player on the Knicks this year. 
So A plus, the best grade is going to go to the best player. No one else is going to get that grade. So I think A is a great grade to give for Julius Randle. Um, you know, look, everyone can get mad at him for the postseason, but as you mentioned, you know, there's a way to criticize a player um, and also stay fair to them, right? There's you cannot just sit here and pretend like the uh, the regular season didn't happen and that the regular season and that the seeding that the Knicks got was not crucial to their ability to win the first round matchup. Again, you know. We can laugh at Joel Embiid all we want and the James Harden and his situation, the 76ers, but that team was not losing in the first round to the New York Knicks. In most, If you win the series 100 times, do the Knicks win at least a couple? Yeah, of course. It's not like they're going to get beaten 100 times. Um, but in the majority, the, ma- the vast majority of those simulations, the Knicks would have lost, right? Um, Joel Embiid would have, you know, it's hard to stop him, right? And James Harden, you know, for as inconsistent as he is, all it would take is a couple of really good postseason games um, to put the Knicks away, right? So, you know, Julius Randle playing at the level he did, giving us an all-NBA, and all-star caliber season is the reason why the Knicks were able to be the fifth seed in a pretty good East, right? You know, we're watching the Miami Heat right now take a 2-0 lead over the Celtics. Um, you know, it's not like the East was devoid of good teams, right? Um, you know, the Nets were pretty good all year and uh, even after Katie and Kyrie left you know Bridges took off and became a really good player um the East was loaded, and the Knicks were able to get a fifth seed, and they were able to get a first-round matchup with the Cavs instead of, you know, 76ers or Celtics or Bucks, and that's the reason why they were in the second round, and given a chance to even go to the Eastern Conference Finals in the first place. So, you know, end of the day, again, when you're All-NBA, like, how can I give you anything other than, how can I give you anything worse than an A, right? You know, it's, All-NBA is not like, it's not like the, uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's so hard to just get to that point, right? There's three All-NBA teams, and there's a plethora of talented wings and forwards in the league that could have taken that spot, um, and, you know, I get it, it's not first team, it's third team, but it's still impressive, so, uh, you know, second time All-NBA for uh, Julius Randle, a great season overall, not a great finish, but, you know, gotta give him a great, I think giving him an A makes a lot of sense, but, you know, I think the next guy you kind of look at, you know, in terms of, you know, long, we're not going to talk about Josh Hart just yet because he was a trade piece. I wanted to focus on Quinn and Grimes first because he was here all season. He kind of had a weird year in the sense that he had his ups, he had his downs. He had been the guy the Knicks had had as their primary defensive option against the toughest opponents. Um, you know, like he would be on Donovan Mitchell or he would be on, you know, just other really tough wings or guards who could score a lot. You know, I thought he did a pretty good job this season, had a really strong sophomore year. What do you think about Quinn and Grimes? What grade will you give him on the year? Right. So, you know, Grimes was obviously very good this year, very productive. We got a lot of value out of him. You know, some might view this grade a little generous. I'm going to give him an A minus. And the reason I give him that high of a grade is because this was a guy who didn't play a whole lot his rookie season. You know, he was off the bench. At, and honestly, he didn't even crack the rotation until almost the new calendar year last season. So, you know, this was his first real chance to kind of show what he can do. You know, he was given the starting uh, shooting guard spot early in the season, and he maintained that throughout the rest of the season. Started a couple times in the playoffs i know his playoffs were rough his playoffs were good i'm not gonna knock on him too hard for the postseason though and the reason because this was his first postseason this was his first real chance at like you know real time seeing that kind of environment you know on the floor himself so i'm not gonna knock him too hard for the postseason this was his first like full season technically so to really criticize his postseason would just be kind of mean. I'm not going to do that. The reason I give him the A minus, though, you know, 11 points per game and, you know, 39% from three in your second year in the league, I mean, that's very productive. You know, we got a lot of production of him on that side of the floor. And, of course, the defense, like you said, you know, guarding guys like Donovan Mitchell and Jimmy Butler in the postseason, you know, he held his own. I know it wasn't perfect, but he did hold his own. And, you know, he still has plenty of time to develop those, those uh aspects of his game both on the offensive side and the defensive side so both of those will get better as time goes on you know and 
I was just really impressed with his development. I mean, it was really quick. And I mean, he kind of started, you know, sometimes he would look a little confused on off on the offensive side, kind of a little lost in the in the rhythm a little bit. But, you know, oftentimes he really, really helped not only with the floor spacing, but the ball movement and the pace. You know, that every time he'd be in that, that corner and then he would drive baseline and dump it off to Mitch. I mean, that worked so many times. It was like, it was such a fast play. The defenses could not pick that up whatsoever. You know, so that was just, a, it was just really impressive year overall for Quentin Grimes. I know it wasn't, you know like a perfect year in a sense I know it's not like you know 11 points out of your shooting guard you're probably wondering like oh that's not a whole lot I mean this is a first this is a second year player this is his first full season it was the first time he was given a starting nod for the full season I mean you know you got to give him a lot of credit he he battled he played hard he was always he you know I know he missed earlier in the season and he missed some missed some time but you know whenever he was able to play he always, you never doubted his effort. You never doubted that. He always gave 100% every time. So I'm just, re- I'm really happy with what he did this year. And the reason I gave him the A-, like I said, it's just an impressive development here. You know, it was very quick development, very, you know, very quickly integrated himself into this offense for a big, for, you know, to have a big role. So that's why I gave him the A-. Some may view that a little generous, and I get it, but... I personally think this was a positive year for Quentin Grimes on both sides, and I do think he deserves to be credited for that, given the circumstance that this is his. This was like his first full season in a sense. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I went with a B plus. Um, I, I personally felt as if the uh, you know, the performance for Grimes was really good this year. Uh, but I wanted to hold off on giving anyone an A that wasn't like quickly. Grime uh, quickly Brunson or Randall um you know but Grimes is really good this year um you know and you know I, I think that you know Quinn and Grimes is someone that has the potential to be so much more than he is right now right um I, I genuinely do think that he has the potential to be more than a 3D guy I think that you look at the ability to get to the rim you know his two point percentage was actually really good this year um you know he can shoot really well he's uh great defender who takes on a really difficult assignment, which I think is an important thing to mention here. He wasn't just going out and, you know, defending a third, you know, the team's third option uh, scoring-wise. He was going out there and was taking on some really tough defensive assignments. Very versatile defender. Um, you know, I think there's room for him to grow. If he can continue to develop that three-point shot, get a little more consistent, find a little more consistency from um, his defensive as well. You know, we could see a guy who gives, you know, 14, 15 points a game, you know, great three-point percentage, great defense, and is a key role player um, on a team that's trying to contend for a championship. You know, I know that there's going to be talks around whether he'll get traded or not because you're either good enough to be a core part of this team or good enough to get traded if, you know, you're an NBA contender, right? So that is obviously something that's going to be monitored over the offseason season but you know given what he's done given the progression he's made I I personally think that I can't be anywhere close to upset with the production I got I think B plus A minus is a great range for him I'm going to stick with my B plus but I see your case for B minus or A minus excuse me um but with that being said you know then another guy who stepped in and you know there were questions you know he actually took over for Quentin Grimes in the postseason as a starter when Grimes had that injury situation with his shoulder Josh Hart right Josh Hart is someone who you know, the Knicks really relied on in that once they got him, right? When they acquired him, there were some talks about, you know, did the Knicks do enough to the deadline? I think Josh Hart settled a lot of those conversations. Obviously, the Knicks fell short of a championship, but unless they got a star player, I didn't feel like that was going to happen anyways. But Josh Hart really unlocked a lot in this team. He added spacing. He added, you know, just grit 
he added defense. He added, he just added everything this team felt like they needed, right? He was a great rebounding guard. He could do some playmaking if need be. Um, again, great defender, super tough, kind of embodied that New York environment. You know, he felt like a, ni a, a 90s Nick, right? You know, he felt like he was someone that, um, you know, that would be on one of those teams that on that 94 Knicks team or on a team that's battling against Michael Jordan. You know, he's just that type of role player. And, you know, I say role player in a good way, right? I don't think role player is always necessarily a bad thing. He does his role extremely well. And I hope the Knicks bring him back this offseason. It looks like they will. But, um, you know, I gave him an A, right? Um, I, I think he's the fourth guy who's going to get my A. I think he's the last guy I'm going to give an A to. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And what grade did you give him on the uh, season? Yeah, I mean, Josh Hart, you know, he we got him in that trade from, you know, for Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish kind of now just a lost cause in Portland, not really doing much there. He wasn't really doing much with us. So Josh Hart's kind of the new backup small forward. So, you know, that's something you really like. We got got good production out of him. You know, and I agree with your A rating. I honestly am going to give him an A as well. You know, in 25 games with the Knicks, 10 points, you know, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.5 steals, 58% from the field. 51% from three. He didn't shoot a lot of threes, but he was really efficient in that area. You know, I'm really, really just happy with what he did. I mean, he was kind of the team's Swiss Army knife when he came over. You know, he... If you ever needed, like, you know, a bucket in transition, or if you needed a spot-up three in the corner, or if you needed, you know, some good ball movement, Hart was kind of that guy to do that. And obviously, he was good on the defensive side as well. And he pretty much gave you everything you needed you know obviously he doesn't do really any of those things at an elite level he doesn't really like he i wouldn't classify him as like an elite defender or an elite scorer but he's a very productive one at both he's very productive defensively he's very productive offensively you know and i think i can almost say he's an elite rebounder though for guards especially you know or guard or wings or whatever you want to call it for his position you know he's a very elite rebounder i am very pleased that we got his you know got him for that because we badly needed some rebounding outside of Mitchell Robinson and he provided that a lot and he really helped us big time I mean I don't think it's really coincidence that we went 17 and 8 in the regular season with Josh Hart and you know combining the regular season and the playoffs we were 23 and 13 that's a very good record and that's those are very good numbers and a lot of that is credited to adding Josh Hart to this lineup and you know he was able to form chemistry with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle really quickly and I think it helps the fact that you know he had already played in Villanova with Jalen Brunson won a couple championships there he played in LA with Julius Randle you know and in, and in New Orleans as well I think that helps the fact that he has already played with these guys before your main guys and I think this is a guy you got to keep around for a while you know, I know it's already expected that Josh Hart is going to sign an extension with the Knicks. I they have I think they have to do it. You know, they got to sign him an extension. You know, we'll, we'll probably make a video sometime of, you know, discussing what kind of contract he should get from the Knicks. But, you know, just to give a broad number, you definitely got to sign him to at least a three or four year deal. I think you got to keep this guy around for a while, even if he's not going to, you know, give you like, you know, 20 points a game. If he's going to give you the production that he gave you and that impactful, no matter where you put him, because you could put him at starting or on the bench and he'll still be just as impactful, then you got to keep him around, man. You got to make him part of your core. I really think you do. Whether, whether, no matter what they decide to do with the rest of the roster, whatever they shake up, I think you got to make Josh Hart a main component of this team for its future. And I think you would agree with me on that, that he is a huge part of it. And just, you know, overall, just really happy with what he did this season. What do you, what do you think about all that? Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I think you make excellent points about just how crucial he is to this team and how crucial he is to this core. Um, this team played championship caliber basketball when he was added to the uh, lineup. You know, I think that that's something that's kind of important for us to mention here. 
They weren't just good. They were a championship caliber team. They played not just record-wise, not just scoring-wise, not just defensively, all of it together, net rating, all the advanced metrics you want to look at, all the traditional metrics you want to look at. This team was playing championship basketball, right? And, you know, with the development, you know, year three of Quentin Grimes, we've seen the leap that quickly took from year two to three, year three and just how in the NBA, how hard it is to be really good in your first two years. Um, you know, you hope to get a better version of, you know, maybe R.J. Barrett, who we'll talk about in a few, um, you know, and, and just overall, you really feel like this team is going to get better next year in terms of the talent around Josh Hart. So Josh Hart is a, is he's still here, right? If you bring him back, he is still here. And this team is still the same team that played at that championship pace. There's no really other large free agents. Yes, there are decisions you're gonna have to make about Obi Toppin. You know, are you going to still keep him around? But it's not like he's the reason why they were at this place. You know, don't disrespect to Obi Toppin, of course, but you know, it's not like you're losing a Jalen Brunson or a Julius Randle or even a Quinn and Grimes or an Emmanuel quickly, right? It's really, you just got to bring back Josh Hart and your team is the same as it was last year. And then any improvements you make after that are improvements on what you accomplished last season. But as you mentioned, Josh Hart, just kind of the perfect piece of this team, just meshed so well. He just, he was so good for this team, and I, I hope that we can keep seeing him going forward. I'm getting, I don't know if I'm getting choked up because of how good he was. I mean, he's just like, he's so good, he's, he's causing my throats to close up. But anyways, with that being said, um, you know, I mentioned RJ Barrett just now. I think he's someone who kind of had a really weird year, right? You know, all regular season, it's like, dude, what's wrong with this guy? Like, what, what's going on? Like, what's going on defensively? Why is he so poor defensively? Why why is he so inconsistent with his three-point shot? And then the postseason comes around, and just like we all expected, we expect RJ Barrett was their second-best player, right? Just as we expected all year. And on a year where Emmanuel quickly was almost the sixth man of the year, where Josh Hart was incredible for the Knicks in the regular season, where Julius Randle was all, all NBA, right? RJ Barrett, who was struggling all year, finally puts it together in the postseason, you know, is that going to affect his grade to the point where I'll say, yeah, he's an A player because he had a strong postseason? No, but does it matter to me? Absolutely, right? You know, if you're looking at what R.J. Barrett is at this point in his career, is he a player who has star potential? Not necessarily. He's not the guy that he, you know, he's not the guy with the, you know, franchise savior kind of potential he had when he was initially drafted, but I still think he has the makings of being a decent NBA player. It's just a matter of what the fit is with the Knicks. It's a matter of, you know, just trying to refine things like being better defensively. I think that's the big thing he has to work on this offseason. I've said this before, like not on the podcast, but just like to people I know and to people I'm friends with. If RJ Barrett's a good defender, the offense being inconsistent doesn't matter as much, right? Because he's always going to be a positive. It's like Emmanuel Quickly. He's very inconsistent with his shot, I feel like. I feel like he's a little more inconsistent than, you know, he gets credit for, but the reason that no one really cares, and it's for a good reason, he's a great defender, and he does other things really well, so when Emmanuel quickly shoots, you know, two for eight from the field, or like one for three from the field, you're like, dude, he was an absolute nobody on the offensive side of the ball, and then you look, 20-something minutes, plus five, or plus six on the plus minus, you're like, how the hell does he have a positive plus minus, he's such a good defender, he's an impact player, that, those are the things Emmanuel quickly does very well. I'm not saying that RJ Barrett has to be the defender Emmanuel quickly is, but he's certainly talented enough as a defender to get to the point where he's back to a consistently good defender. He doesn't have to take the tough defensive assignments because Quentin Grimes and Josh Hart will cover those. Um, when he's running with Emmanuel quickly, he'll have a great defensive mate as well in quickly. Um, you know, if he could just play strong defense and get a little more consistent with the offense, we're now looking at a plus player. There were talks about the Knicks potentially acquiring OG Ananobi. I know you wrote a great article about maybe the Knicks potentially looking at him on this list of candidates you had, but you know, can RJ Barrett not be OG Ananobi, but play that role if he's able to get his defense to where it was a couple of years ago? I think so, right? You know, maybe that's a little bit optimistic, but you know, sure, you're going from a guy who was supposed to be a franchise savior to a guy who's, you know, we're now talking about in a role player sense, but a really good role player 
player is still a pretty good outcome. Um, so with that being said, I gave him a C plus B on the season, kind of somewhere in that range. I feel like relative to expectations, it was a disappointing year, but he was able to rebound at the end. And I, that's why I'm gonna, not going to give him a bad grade. What do you think about that? Right. So, I mean, like you said, the way to define RJ Barrett's season is, in my way of saying it, consistently inconsistent. And the way, the reason I say that, I mean, looking at his numbers right here, you know, I'm just going to go by month by month here. October, 40% from the field. November, 40%. December, 46% from the field. January, 45% from the field. February goes back down to 40%. March, it goes back up to 45 April, 43 And then in the postseason, we know he did really well. You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me for his postseason, but we all know he was very, very efficient in the postseason. But, you know, just hearing that, I mean, it tells you just how topsy-turvy his season really was. You know, you didn't really know if he really found his rhythm for good or if it was like just a brief you know spurt of he found his rhythm and then oh he goes right back down to 40 percent from the field you know inefficient you know so we didn't really know and the reason for that inconsistencies i gave him a b minus and the reason i gave him a b minus instead of like a c is because that postseason he really stepped up when he needed to we needed that out of him we finally you know got some confidence that maybe we got that kind of you know playoff riser in a sense with rj that we wanted you know obviously it's just one postseason run you know he had a postseason run in 2021 but he didn't do a whole lot but this was like his first time making it past first round so this was a good time to get a good look at what he could do in the postseason and I was impressed with it I was impressed with what he did in the postseason so therefore that's why I didn't give him such a you know a lower grade but the B minus just the season was just really confusing with him you know he obviously took a step back in scoring he took a step back defensively I can't reward you know give him a higher grade for regressing I can't it's just not that's just not what I should be doing but you know I can at least give him extra points for stepping up in the playoffs when those matter obviously a lot more than the regular season but you know I just hope next season you know he kind of figures things out a little bit obviously if he's still here we don't obviously don't know what they what they could do with his future obviously his future is a little cloudy with the Knicks right now but with that being said, just, you know, I hope next season he can just, you know, step it up a little bit and kind of find some rhythm and consistency, both on the three-point shot and in the inside. You know, I think it's becoming increasingly clear that he needs to start going to the inside more and start slashing to the paint more often than shooting threes and settling for bad shots. You know, there are too many times where you kind of see what he's doing out there and you kind of just feel like he's making boneheaded decisions. And I'm not saying he's a guy that makes boneheaded decisions. No, it's just there are times you kind of see what he does, whether it's, you know, stop stopping uh at the top of the key and don't dribble for five ten seconds run out the shot clock and then try to drive into the paint three guys in the paint and then get your shot blocked or you miss by 50 feet or you take a, a contested three in the corner when you're not in rhythm or anything like that and you just scratch your head and you're like what are you doing that's not what we need right so just looking at that, I just hope he finds some rhythm and consistency. That's really all I want. If he can find that on both sides of the floor, he can be, like you said, kind of like an OGN and OB type player, a good two-way threat. That would be nice to have. It's what we've been waiting for. This is what this was his fourth season in the NBA. It was still a productive season. I'm not going to sit here and act like it was not a productive season, but it was definitely a regression from his you know 20 point per game season last year, and especially his second half from last year. It was a regression. It's unfortunate that it was a regression. I really hope but you know with that being said rj has a very good work ethic so i really hope with that that he can you know find the proper adjustments he needs to make in the offseason work with his trainer make those adjustments in games and then hopefully he be, you know figures it out a bit and gets into a better rhythm what do you think about all that
Yeah, you know, what's kind of weird about RJ Barrett is that I feel like he's young enough that, like, it's not out of the question for him to have a career turnaround. Um, but we're in year five, right? We're kind of reaching a point where it's like, all right, like it's put up or shut up time, right? It's time to get results from RJ. Um, but as you mentioned, I trust the work ethic. I trust the organization. I trust a lot of factors that are involved in a player's development, uh, for things to go right for RJ Barrett and for them to get the production they're looking for. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, overall it's hard to grade him because you don't want to, like, there's a part of me that wants to, like, doesn't want to be too harsh with him. Right. And I feel like that's the case with any homegrown player, right? You know, he was the guy back in 2019 that we draft with the third overall pick um and, and you know you feel like all right this is the start of something new for the Knicks obviously that first year was not great but you expected that then year two you make the postseason he's the number two option on a playoff Knicks team that was the four seed right like I just want to rem like remembering that it makes it really hard um for me to give up on him even though he struggled a lot this year um and then last year of course you know it was a weird year, kind of ups and downs, and then this year was not a good year for R.J. Barrett. But going forward, you hope that he kind of has short-term memory with what happened the regular season and is able to move forward from there. I know the Knicks, as an organization, will give him the chance to do so. Um, but with that being said, you know, another guy who was, you know, a former top 10 pick, Obi Toppin, right? You know, Obi Toppin definitely had a weird year, right? Like, there are moments where you're like, oh my gosh, Obi Toppin is that guy, right? And then there are moments where you're like, no, he's just a role player on this team, and I'm not sure he fits with what the Knicks are doing. So, um, I think an even C is, like, fair. Um, it's hard for me to give him a great grade, considering that, you know, as effective as he was in the postseason at times, it just didn't feel like the shot was consistent enough from three for me to sit here and say, yeah, he deserves much better than that. He also is a role player, so it's hard for him to have the ceiling. Like, even a, like a not-great RJ season and a not-great OB season are not the same thing. RJ's a shot creator. RJ starts. RJ plays a lot. So when RJ's good, it impacts the team a lot more. Whereas Toppin plays a much smaller role on the team, so I think an even C is good. Um, I could see a C-plus argument, but overall, I just feel like the fit doesn't really make sense anymore. It's not a me sitting here trying to say, like, Toppin's no good. There's no shot here where he becomes a quality NBA player. Um, I actually think the opposite. I think he has the chance to become a quality NBA player. I just don't think it's on a team that, one, already has their starting power forward in Julius Randle, and two, already has plenty of bench, op bench options that should get the ball and should be primary scoring options over him. Um, so I think C is the grade I'm going to give him. What do you think about that? What did you feel? about Obi Toppin this season and his future right so I mean was this a bad season for Obi Toppin that may be a stretch to say but was this a good season for Obi Toppin no it wasn't but you know with that like you said limited role comes off the bench he's quite frankly probably the last option that the Knicks have and you know I think they kind of showed he always played the least amount of minutes in every game and stuff like that but with that being said the grade I'll give him I'll give him a C, maybe more like C, C minus range. You know, I don't have like a specific dead grade that I'll give him in this one because it's a little confusing. But, you know, as a starter, he played only five games as a starter, but he played really well in those five games as a starter. I know a lot of those were at the end of the season. You know, 21 points, but he did shoot 50, 58 from the field and 44 from three. Yes, again, those are end of the season games. I know that doesn't always mean anything. But, you know, he has shown a few times that, you know, when given the opportunity, he can be a productive NBA player. Can he be like a really good NBA player? I don't know. We obviously haven't gotten to see a whole lot of that. I'm not going to sit here and act like he can't be productive in some way. But, 
with the role he's currently in, it's just it's not really a highly productive role. You know, he's kind of just become a spot up uh, shooter as a power forward, as the backup. You know, I mean, he shoots a lot of threes, which is something I kind of wish he tones down a little bit. You know, even as a starter, he averaged seven threes, three point attempts, which is quite frankly a lot for a power forward that has struggled to find their three point rhythm. You know, their entire career. That's a lot. You know, I understand you got to If you want to find a rhythm, you got to shoot the ball, but. At the same time, we don't need a lot of threes taken out of him when his strength is litty finishing and dunking and all that stuff. So he's got a, he's a bit of a confusing type. He kind of plays still like a bit of a raw prospect, which is a little alarming given that he's already 24, 24 years old. So just looking at that, I mean, I'm hoping, you know, in the future that he does turn it around in some way, become a little more productive, whether it's on the bench or if he, if they find him a different home to play in a different team and he gets a larger role, a starting role. I do think his future on the Knicks is in peril. I really do. I mean, you know, he almost got traded at the deadline. It was kind of shocking that he was still on the team at the deadline. You know, he was only playing like 10 minutes a game and stuff like that in a lot of the games after the uh, All-Star break. You know, obviously he played a bit in the postseason, but, you know, it was not enough, obviously, to get us past the second round, which is unfortunate. But, you know, I do think he's someone that can be a good NBA player, like you said. I, do, I, I don't necessarily doubt that he can't be, but... I do want to see more out of him, and I do think it might end up having to be in a different uniform next season. I really don't know if the fit on the Knicks is the right place for him, which is unfortunate because, you know, you could tell, even with Obi's body language sometimes on the court, that he wants to get more involved, and he wants to play, and he wants to be more involved in plays and the offense and all that. You know, we've seen him, you know, kind of get upset that he's not getting the ball when he's open or something like that. I understand the frustration. I understand you want a larger, he probably wants a larger role. I get that. And the Knicks, honestly, might need to make the right decision and, you know, give him that bigger opportunity elsewhere. I think that would be better for him if he got a fresher start. This guy was a lottery pick. This guy was the eighth overall pick. That wasn't an accident. He was that good in college you know so I really think it might be better if they just you know find a trade for him I think that'd be the best option going forward if they do decide to keep him I wonder what they're going to do about it I wonder how they're going to integrate him into this system I re that's really up in the air still we have no idea because quite frankly out of every Nick Obi Toppin's future as a Nick is probably the most in jeopardy so this should be interesting but basically you know to wrap up the point the grade I'm gonna give him for this season C, C minus range. Wasn't awful, but wasn't really like, you know, up to where we wanted him to be. It's just like, you know, whatever. So that's kind of my take on it. What do you think about all that? Yeah, you know, weirdly enough, I think like uh, whatever is kind of the best way to describe what we top in season. It was kind of like, you know, there were flashes, right? And it sucks because, you know, there is a world where Obi Toppin, you know, could find consistent minutes and you know and it was on the Knicks and maybe he becomes the player we envision him to be but you know can we blame Leon Rose or you know Tom Thibodeau for saying yeah Julius Randle's now a two-time all-NBA uh you know player I I'm not gonna you know develop prioritize Obi Toppin's development over winning basketball games um you know I, I think that's you know that'd be a little insane to criticize Leon Rose and Tom Thibodeau uh for that and you know kind of weirdly enough when they drafted him it was with the idea of replacing Randle and you know at the time he Randall was not a very good NBA player. He was a guy who could put up pretty big stats, but wasn't very impactful. And that changed 
on a dime. So it's one of those things where hindsight is 2020. Yes, you know, we could sit here and say the Knicks could have drafted this guy or that guy. Um, but at the time, Obi Toppin was the best player available, and that's who they took. So, you know, it's an unfortunate situation of just bad timing, bad fit, you know, just a lot of factors that aren't to blame. You can't really blame Toppin or the Knicks for. Um, but, you know, it, it seems like his future is just somewhere else. Um, I don't think that the Knicks necessarily I don't even think he's that great of a fit for the bench either I think the Knicks want more of a you know true floor spacer who can also um, you know take on some defensive assignments um, not that to- Toppin hasn't improved this three-point shot but it's not he's just not a spot-up shooter that's not his role that shouldn't be his role I know that the Knicks had to put him in that role just because there was no other way to get him involved in the offense but um, you know could you imagine this team with like a three and D guy uh, at the at the four spot off the bench that would be really nice right um, you know so again not really Toppin's fault that he's in this role not really the Knicks fault that he's in this role either it's just a product of you know things did not go as expected for Julius Randle in a good way and things didn't go as expected for Toppin in not a great way for his development but with that being said the last guy who we're going to talk about who you know we initially planned to talk about him with Josh Hart but uh, I goofed and there was an Aaron Hicks DFA so uh, there are a lot of cups in this episode Um, but Cam Reddish, Josh Hart, Cam Reddish um, was traded for Josh Hart so he was only here for about half a year he didn't play very much um Look, I don't think Cam Reddish was, like, to blame for him for, like, the fact that he wasn't that good, right? Like, he's just not that great. It is what it is. Um, But I I feel like you have to give him, like, an F. Like, he was kind of the – he was probably the Knicks' worst player. Like, given Fournier was willing to play, uh, even though he was taken out of the rotation, Rose didn't really cause much of commotion – um, you know, Sims was, we'll talk about Sims in the next episode, um, but, like, it's not like any of the guys who didn't play were, like, giving us any off-the-field issues, or off-the-court issues, excuse me, it felt like Cameronish just caused a lot of unnecessary stories, there was that one anonymous, anonymous comment that Tom Thibodeau, like, has his favorites or whatever, I think we all know who that anonymous person was, um, Cameronish just wasn't a good New York Nick, it was a flyer that they wanted to take, Tom Thibodeau wasn't on board with the idea, he didn't play him, I wasn't uh, sure why they weren't playing him, and then, you know, this year you kind of realize, yeah, no, Tom Thibodeau was right, that he's not really that good, um, and they traded him, and some people were ha- upset about the trade, but it turned out really well for the Knicks, because Cam Reddish probably isn't going to be a Portland Trailblazer for very long, so I give him an F, what, what, what grade do you give him? Right, so I mean, like I mentioned before, Cam Reddish is kind of a lost cause at this point, you know, Knicks fans, ever since he got traded, and we saw how good Josh Hart is, I haven't seen many Knicks fans talk about Cam Reddish anymore, which I'm kind of happy about, but, you know, that's just leaving my bias aside, but anyway, um, to give him a grade, I know you gave him an F, and I understand that. I'm going to give him a D-, and the reason I'm giving him a D- is because there were a couple decent games he had this season. You know, in the beginning of the season, opening night, he had 19 points, and he hit that clutch shot to send the game to overtime. I know he had a couple other, like, 15-point games or 16-point games, something like that, first couple times in the season. Those were decent games. I'm not going to knock on him for that. You know, I think he deserves a bit of credit for that because, you know, we didn't have Quentin Grimes at the time because he was injured. So... I res- I respect him for you know getting getting us those couple games even though we you know we weren't like super good in the at the start of the season he did give us a handful of decent games it wasn't a large handful but then after that I mean it was a it was a disaster after after those once Quentin Grimes came back and they tried to put Cam Reddish back on the bench I mean it was it just didn't work there whatever it was it just did not work I mean the Knicks traded this guy last year for a first round pick and Kevin Knox you know they took like you said took a flyer on him said why not you know he's available. Maybe we could develop into something really impactful. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. Thibodeau wasn't playing him much last year. Thibodeau wasn't playing him much this year. Knicks fans were not very happy about that, which 
you know, I think a lot of us finally realized why he wasn't playing him a whole lot because he just, you know, in my eyes, though his play style doesn't really impact winning basketball. He kind of is just a guy who puts up empty stats, a guy who will put up like, you know, 13, 14, 15 points, something like that on like okay efficiency or below average efficiency, but like not getting many rebounds, not getting many assists. He's not really impacting the game defensively. He's not really impacting the game on other aspects other than marginal scoring. And that's not a good thing. You know, that's that's there's a reason that's a big reason why the Knicks let him go. He just wasn't really wasn't really working. You know, whatever it was, it just wasn't working. There hasn't been many working situations for Cam Reddish so far in his career, unfortunately for him. I do hope I'm not gonna, you know, rag on the guy. I do hope one day he finds a place that can be a long term home for him, even if he's not gonna, you know, make up put up you know, huge numbers. If he can just find a home that's, you know, a long term stay and you know, find a long-term role, even if it's not on a very good team. Any role is any role, and you'll take that as an NBA player. You will take any opportunity at that point when you're struggling to stay on the team. But you know, with that being said, I mean, there's not much to talk about with Reddish other than just you know, it didn't work. It was not a good experiment. You know, it's a good thing they let him go, and it's a good thing they were able to get Josh Hart in return for him. You know, I applaud Leon Rose and the Knicks front office for being able to make that trade happen. Because we weren't sure if Reddish had really any value whatsoever, given that one, he wasn't productive when he played, and two, before he got traded, he had been on the bench for about two or three months. So, you know, with that being said, I mean, just overall, the season, it's a D minus, and I gave him the D, instead of giving him the F, I gave him the D minus just because of those solid games he had at the start of the season. It was only like three or four games of that, but it was. It wasn't zero, so I do think he deserves to have a bit of credit for that. So I gave him the D minus, but he's probably gonna have the worst grade out of anyone in my my uh my Knicks report card. I know you gave him the F, and I understand the F. That's you know I'm not gonna disagree with the F. He, he wasn't that impactful whatsoever, but you know I I also value crediting him for every single game he played, and there were some there were some it wasn't many, but there were some good thrown in there. So. That's why I gave him the D minus. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, look, I, I mean, I'm giving him an F also because I, I realize I'm letting the influence of people on Twitter or people on social media who said that he needed more minutes, that he was the solution, or that, you know, them trading uh, Cam Reddish for Josh Hart was them giving up on Cam Reddish unfairly. Uh, you know, I'm kind of factoring that into, uh, you know, a little bit of my grade here, which I probably shouldn't. I think you're giving him a much better grade than I am, um, you know, but I'm going to stick by it because I'm arrogant um, and I'm very hard-headed. So, yeah, no, but in all seriousness, look, you know, you can't really sit here and say that Cam Reddish, you know, was like a detriment to this team or anything like that. So I guess that's a great reason to not give him an F. He was just not good when he played and then we didn't play him and then people were annoying about him on social media. So I think maybe F isn't the best grade to give him. I, you know what? I think I'm, I just talked myself into uh, more of a D. I'm going to give him a D on this one. Uh, actually, D minus. Uh, I don't want to give him the same grade I gave Fournier uh, just because I'm petty. But with that being said, you know, this was a position that had a lot of like Weird years, you know, again, RJ Barrett regressing dramatically, Josh Hart comes into the fold, and the Knicks look like championship contenders, you know, Julius Randle goes All-NBA again after a weird year last year, um, you know, I, if there's one guy in this position group, you know, and I'll, I'll keep my answer to this brief, one guy in this position group that you think is going to take the largest leap in impact next season, who is it going to be on your end? I'm gonna, I was gonna pick Quinton Grimes, but I'm gonna go with RJ Barrett, I feel like he was so bad this year, it'd be hard for him to be this bad again, I'll go with RJ Barrett for him to go from as bad as he was this year, even if he's not great next year, and even if you know, people are so disappointed with what his results are next year. I think it's just hard for him to get significantly worse. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and who do you have as that guy? 
Right. So, you know, I actually agree with you. And I do think RJ will take the biggest leap. You know, like I mentioned before, he has a very hard work ethic. He always looks to adjust his game if something's not going right. I know sometimes it takes some time, but he does work. You know, I mean, he worked with his trainer after game two in the playoffs to make some adjustments and look how much better he looked right immediately after. You know, sometimes we don't see an immediate turnaround with RJ, but we did this time. So I'm hoping next season we see an immediate turnaround at the start. You know, he's always been prone to slow starts in the season. I'm hoping next season he kind of just gets out to a very good start and just kind of continues that way. Obviously, some slumps are going to happen. It happens to every NBA player. You can't expect him to be, you know, 100% perfect all the way through. Even the MVP has some bad games. You know, it happens. But I'm just hoping for a consistently good season out of RJ next year. You know, that's really all I look for. You know, Quentin Grimes is definitely another name to watch for, for a big leap. You know, it really just depends on the role they give Quentin Grimes. You know, if he's involved more in the offense and plays a lot more minutes, then maybe he can take a bigger leap. If he kind of loses some minutes a little bit, so maybe like Josh Hart, and kind of, you know, becomes more of the, the role player guy, then maybe he won't have a huge leap. Maybe he'll, he'll have a leap, but it may not be like a significant leap, if that makes any sense. Basically, that's kind of all I got about it. But, uh, you know, this was really, you know, fun going over all these wings and stuff like that because, like you said, this was an interesting position. You know, a lot of guys had, you know, the only one who had a really, like, consistent regular season in a sense was, like, you know, Josh Hart when he was here and, you know, Julius Randle. I mean, R.J. Barrett had a topsy-turvy season. There were times Quentin Grimes couldn't find his shot. Obi Toppin was just, you know, inconsistent all year. Cam Reddish, you know, complete lost cause. I mean, you know, it's a weird, it was a weird position for the Knicks, and I do think that the wing spot is some, is a place that the Knicks need to upgrade at in the offseason. You know, we'll probably make another video explaining, explaining that some more uh, into detail but you know those are kind of my thoughts on it you know those are kind of my final thoughts on this uh this episode for this what do you think about all that and if you got any final thoughts yeah no my final thought would really just be watch out yeah for Quentin Grimes I think Quentin Grimes is a guy who can pop off next year I, I think he can take that Emmanuel quickly like leap I don't think he's gonna win like sixth man of the year because well number one he's not you know all coming off the bench right now um but you know whether it's here whether he gets traded wherever he goes I think year three or wherever he plays I think year three is gonna be a big year for Quentin Grimes um I love what he can do when he's red hot I love what he can do when that shot's consistent he's a fun player he's an electric player and I'm really excited to see kind of how this position looks next year because you know Everyone looks at the wing and forward spot to get a superstar. Everyone looks at that spot to, you know, acquire talent. So I wonder if the Knicks are going to acquire another wing. Um, you know, it's definitely going to be a curious situation. Obviously, we're going to monitor the Josh Hart situation. As you mentioned, we're definitely going to do a video about that. But if you guys want to be around to hear a video about Josh Hart, if you guys want to stick around for the final episodes of the Report Card series, you guys should like, comment, and subscribe and turn on post notifications so you guys know next time we post a video. If you would prefer to listen to the audio version of this podcast, maybe my beard isn't great. Maybe I need a haircut. Who knows? Um, you know, I know Dylan. I, I look. I, I know the audience would prefer to look at Dylan than me. Uh, but with that being said, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You guys can check out the auto version of this podcast there, and you guys can check out Empire Sports Media. We've got a bunch of great written content there, whether it's about the Knicks, the Yankees, Giants, Jets, Islanders, Rangers. I mean, there are a million New York sports teams, so make sure you check them out. Uh, but with that being said, we'll see you guys in the next video. You can check out above our heads, and we'll see you guys in the next video. Peace out.